You're listening to the Sex with Dr. Jess podcast. Sex and relationship advice you can use tonight. Welcome to the Sex with Dr. Jess podcast. I am your friendly neighborhood sexologist, Jessica O'Reilly, here once again with my better half, I'm surprised you brought me back. I won't lie. You said that last week. I did. Damn. I he got, needs I new got material. I got no other lines. <laughs> uh, this this episode is brought to you by Desire Resorts. We are both setting sail with Desire out of Barcelona up to the south of France to Monaco and Italy next month. It is sold out, so I'd invite you to join us, but you're going to have to sign up for the next cruise next year. So check them out at Desire Resorts. They honestly rock. Now, Brandon's here with me today, not just for his sense of humor, but to talk about uh, our own relationship. And we're going to be talking about the topic of insecurity. Now, insecurity is a universal experience. Uh, insecurity generally refers to feelings of inadequacy or the feeling of perceived threat in some way. So in the context of a relationship... Insecurity often refers to not feeling good enough or worrying that our partner will leave us or cheat or stray in some other way. And being a universal experience, something that we all go through, I want to remind people before we get started that the world is not divided into secure people and insecure folks because we all experience both insecurity and hopefully great self-confidence at some point in time, both of which really occur on a continuum and fluctuate throughout, you know, throughout the relationship and throughout life. So it really grinds my gears <laughs> when I hear people say, oh, she's just so insecure with, with disparagement. And I say she because often it becomes a, I think, a gendered accusation. And they, they launch this criticism as though they've never experienced insecurity themselves. And the world is not good or bad or black and white. It's really mostly nuance. So when you attack someone else's level of confidence or accuse them of being insecure, it's often really a projection of your own perception of your, your own lacking in these areas. So Brandon's here. Not because one of us is insecure and one of us isn't, but we thought we'd talk about our experience feeling insecure in the relationship. Let's put this into context. When you say our experience, you you brought me on <laughs> to be real, to be to give you the unexpert advice, the non-sexologist advice about how I feel insecure because I have and I do and I I admit to it. And I feel insecure in this relationship too at times. Um, I would say overall. At this moment in time, sitting here in this high-tech recording studio slash car. Super high-tech. <laughs> With you, like, we're in a good place right now. I've been home for two weeks for the first time in... Which is quite a while for those of you that don't know Jess's schedule. Yeah, for the first time in more than six months, six months I yeah. think. And so we're in this really nice place. And this is actually a really great time to talk about insecurities. Oftentimes, we don't bring up these either contentious or uncomfortable topics until we're really frustrated or really hurt or really scared or really desperate. And so the conversations simply aren't as fruitful 
when you're in those high arousal states, not arousal like sexual arousal, but physiological arousal. So, okay, let's let's cut to it. Do you want to go first or do you want me to well, go first? Well, I'm here. You're putting me on the spot, right? Isn't that isn't that part of what's great about these podcasts is that I'm unprepared for the questions that are going to be presented to me? Yeah, you, you say <laughs> you say that, but you know the topic we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, I do know the topic. I know you didn't prep, but what if you have to pick something you feel insecure about is there something that you know is on your mind as of late yeah um when you travel that's the most uh well i mean it has been some of the some of the instances where i felt most insecure i mean you are traveling the world you're alone you're beautiful you're intelligent you're meeting people that uh in can particular I, can i interrupt you yeah. you forgot hilarious yeah yeah you're, you're absolutely <laughs> hilarious um and you're traveling the world and you're meeting exciting people, in some cases very affluent individuals who can offer um, some of the private jets and, <laughs> and yachts and things that maybe I can't yet provide. For, um, so there, there is an element of insecurity that exists when you travel. Well, do you think I'm looking for you to provide me? Absolutely <laughs> not. I know that, and I didn't, I certainly didn't mean to come across that way. I know that there isn't an expectation, uh, but I, 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 I I'm aware that there are a lot of stereotypes that I do play into that I try and fight, that I try to be aware of and cognizant of, but they're, they're there. Of course. Yeah, I, I don't want to discount that. There's certainly, I guess, norms around what a man is supposed to be. And so you say that maybe they can offer me things that you can't. And um, I guess that's always the case. Let's be honest. There are people who can give me things and not that a relationship is just about giving and taking, but that's the language you used. There are certainly people who can give me things you can't, just like there are a ton of people yeah. who can give ways. you things that I can't. Um, so how do you like how do you reconcile that? Because when I travel, people always ask me about you. You're a hot topic of conversation. Everybody wants to know about Mr. Dr. Jess. <laughs> they want to see pictures of you. And they do ask, they say, does your husband mind and they say he must be so secure to and this is their language not mine and this isn't one or two people who have said this this is dozens they say he must be so secure to just let you travel the world like this and you know my first response is that you know I'm not really asking your permission <laughs> but the second is that I do see you as a very secure person so and I think part of that strength and security and confidence is the reason why you can admit that at times you feel insecure yeah, I feel comfortable admitting my insecurities only because I am comfortable within this relationship. The way that our relationship has evolved over time, first of all, I'm very supportive of what you do. Uh, I, I'm very proud of what you've accomplished. I mean, I don't need to tell you all of those things, but to all the listeners, I mean, it, it is, I, I'm not letting you do anything. This is your company. This is your uh, success. And I am very supportive of it. Amen. The, Thank you. The insecurity that exists, I, I believe it's natural. I think that you're always wondering, I think humans have, a, have an inclination towards wondering what else is there, or perhaps it's the FOMO, the fear of missing out. Uh, I don't have necessarily a fear of missing out on somebody else, but it's the idea that are you, do you feel that way? So when you're traveling, I, our, our tr the trust in a relationship is strong enough that I don't worry. The thoughts that come in are fleeting. They come in and they come out. And the assurances that you've given me over time have uh, have minimized that insecurity that I do feel. But it's it's there. It's prevalent. And I think that that's totally normal. And I, I would, 
I would, I guess, counter by saying that, you know, I'm not really afraid of your cheating on me or something like that, but certainly because I'm gone so much, uh, I'm more afraid in a fleeting moment that you might connect with someone else on an intimate level. Um, maybe when you're feeling lonely, maybe when I'm not there, because I'm, I'm a big source of support in your life, I think emotionally and practically, and also in a business side, right? Like we talk a lot. Yeah, very much. And I, I'm not afraid you're going to have sex with someone else. I don't see you as hypersexual. I don't see you as uncontrollable. Um, quite frankly, sex is a part of our relationship and it's an important part, but it doesn't rank in the top three reasons I think we're with one another. Would that be fair? Or is it one, two, three for you? Um, I, I haven't really given enough thought. I would say it's, it's certainly it's not at the top of the list. No, and I, I love having sex with you. I'd like <laughs> Thank to have, you for that. <laughs> I'd like to have more of the sex with you. But I, I really, I, I just don't see you as the person that's like, oh my gosh, this is so exciting. I can't possibly say no. And I do think that the exposure to so much sex in the context of our lives because of my business actually puts us in a safer position. I think the fact that we've been to sex clubs, we've tried different things. I encourage you to look at other people, to fantasize about other people. We flesh that out. We talk about it. Like we've tried different things. I actually feel that that makes you less like a kid in a candy shop when sex is potentially presented to you, which I'm sure it is. Do you get offers of sex all the time? (laughs) No, I don't. But you did have that one woman, do you remember? Um, who pretended she wanted to book a business meeting with you, but then w- just wanted to know who you had sex with when I was away. Do you remember who I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah, that was awkward all around. Um, <laughs> I do recall that that meeting, that <laughs> quote-unquote, air quotes, business meeting, that turned into awkward silence, and I, I was, again, caught off guard at that meeting. But anyway, that's a whole other... I, I, I'm more surprised that people are surprised that I'm insecure. Yeah, that's true. The The very first time that... I, I facilitated a, um, a workshop with you. You had split the group into a group of men and a group of, of women. And <laughs> I remember you saying, go and start the conversation by having uh, a discussion around insecurity. So I thought, I'm going to lead by uh, example and, and just being open and honest. And I said to the group of, of whatever it was, 15 or 20 men, I do. I get insecure and I explained how and why and how it's evolved over time. And at the end of that conversation, people came up to me and were really open about how they were surprised that I was insecure and how if my opening up to that allowed them to to put their insecurities uh, out there and how they immediately felt better and recognized why they shouldn't feel insecure. Yeah, I remember that workshops. It was actually in Jamaica and yeah. you just happened to be there. And because I was splitting the group up... I asked you to facilitate just off the cuff. And these guys came up to me after and said, like, we never would have talked about our own jealousies, our own insecurities, except that Brandon, and I remember the first guy said to me, I mean, look at Brandon. How could that guy be insecure? (laughs) Um, And again, I think that comes back to this myth that you either are insecure or you aren't insecure, when the reality is that you have moments when you're secure and you have moments when you're insecure. And hopefully the former outweigh the latter. Um, and I, I know in the beginning too, we, we've talked about this stuff in the past, not for anybody else, just for ourselves. But we talked about, you know, some ways that I think my job could make you or any partner, and especially when we look at gender norms, a man insecure. Yeah. I mean, this began 20 years ago when you were 
coordinator, uh, coordinator at the uh, at the, the university sexual education center. Yeah. And uh, the, the the topic, sex and sexuality, really was a door opener for uh, I felt a lot of people to ask inappropriate questions and not that I needed to interject or I mean you can certainly handle your own. But there, I did feel insecure because I felt like every opportunity, or there were a lot of opportunities where people would push the boundaries of the conversation that you wouldn't normally have with somebody else. So again, that was something that made me feel insecure for the first handful of years in our relationship. Um, and also it makes me feel sexualized. So I talk about sex for a living, but that doesn't mean I want people to talk to me in a sexual way. And there is this line that people have difficulty I think acknowledging or navigating, which is we can talk about sex in a professional context, but if you talk to me in a way that is sexualizing, so if you're getting off on it, it's not something that I signed up for or consented to. And uh, I think like both sides of the coin, that was a frustrating thing. And it still happens, let's be honest. Like I still receive messages. I was trying to promo something on Facebook today and it was a picture of Brandon, the two of us. And it had the description of last week's podcast and it was declined because of sexual content, even though it was just a photo of us in full clothing. And I thought to myself, it's incredible that Facebook does nothing to block men from sending me dick pics. Snapchat does nothing to block men. Now, I can individually block them, but by that point, the damage is done and it's pretty violating. So I can't advertise an educational podcast, but... They won't do. They won't take the means necessary to stop people from sending me offensive images of their balls. Sometimes they send me pictures of themselves coming, which honestly really grosses me out. And it's not that penises are gross, and it's not that ejaculate is gross. It's that I'm not prepared for that. I'm, my mind is blown. I when, know we talked about that. Like we've, I, I don't know if we've ever talked about it in, in a podcast before, but my mind is blown when men send any woman or anyone for that matter. Uh, a photo of their genitalia unsolicited like when did that become acceptable in any way shape or form no it, and it never has been but I just I just think it's interesting the way uh, these social sites block some things like an ad um, or a promotion for my podcast but they allow they don't bother with that and if they wanted to block that they could too so I but we should get back to this topic of insecurity um, I wanted to talk about how we manage insecurity. And before we kind of dive into the process of it, I was thinking of a story from maybe 10 or so years ago, or maybe, I guess it was longer, 14 years ago, when we were bartenders. Brandon and I bartended in the nightclubs when we were going to, to university here in Toronto. And I remember there was a woman, first of all, we all worked with a ton of attractive people in, you know, and you work close to naked back then, you know, people could be easily bartending in a bikini top. And uh, that was never an issue for me because I think it's never been about sex for me. It's always been about the connection. And I remember there was a woman you worked with who's a nice woman, but I felt like she liked you. And somebody said something to me about her liking you. And you talked about how much you liked her and how she was your favorite person you worked with. And she was really, really sweet and funny and you enjoyed your time with her. And at first I kind of didn't think anything of it. But then her friend, who I also knew, said something about her having this like thing for you. And so I felt really insecure. I can actually remember the feeling in my chest 
feeling like, uh-oh, she has a thing for him. He seems to really like her. And of course, you have lots of female friends and attractive female friends. And it wasn't that I felt that she was any more attractive than all the attractive people we were surrounded by. But it was more that you just really liked her person, her personality. And I, I don't know if you remember how I handled it or like what happened, but I... I'm trying to remember, uh, I mean... I actually remember being in the car on King Street and asking you if there was anything I need to be worried about. And I remember that your response was like so loving and so reassuring that all of those, like all the nervousness and all the tension in my chest kind of immediately dissipated. Um, And it's funny because when you hold something in by yourself, it becomes more powerful because your imagination is far wilder and far kinkier and far, you know, more outlandish than any reality could be. Um, I don't know if you remember this. Do you, do you remember this or not really? I, I do remember, and I do remember kind of assuaging your concerns, but I think over the years I've learned that I need, as I had mentioned in previous podcasts, I need to shut up and listen. <laughs> and just listening to your concern, and then of course, understanding how my reaction will either exacerbate or or kind of lessen the the, the situation. Because I could see how, and I've seen where people will laugh or almost make fun of the person who's expressing this vulnerable concern, uh, and the way that they that they respond, rather than in a in a comforting, securing way, is one of um, just one where they're playing it off, you know, laughing about it, making fun of the person for being concerned, and and I may have been guilty of doing something like that in the past, but I've learned over the no, years it's like no, just like you know, number one, listen, and then number two. Uh, convey to you that, you know, I, I obviously have absolutely nothing to worry about. There's, there's no concern or no issue there. And, uh, you know, focus on making you feel better rather than ridiculing the situation. Well, and you see this where people say things like, oh, you're, you're insecure. You're being jealous. And I think it And the answer is, yeah, I am. Exactly. That's why I'm saying it to you. Exactly. And I think there's something really dangerous of accusing your partner of their feelings, right? Like you hear that in arguments where we'll say, oh, well, now you're angry. Yeah, heck, heck I am yeah, angry. I'm angry. That's yeah. why I'm yelling. Yeah. So, so I think um, the first step in terms of, and I use that story to illustrate how we manage these insecurities. But the first thing is that we admit to them. So I admit it to myself, and then I admit it to you. And I didn't come to you with an accusation. I wasn't like, what's going on between you two? Or why are you going on about her? I more just, I think I remember asking you if I had anything to worry about. And um, I certainly feel like I was met with reassurance. And I'm sure this isn't the only time it's happened in our relationship. That's just the one that stands out to me. And I feel like you've come to me with similar concerns and been really clear about like what you want from me. So when you're feeling insecure, you, you tell me what you need. Yeah. I mean, I'm here to offer you reassurance. I mean, I, no, but I mean, when, when you're feeling insecure, I feel like you always tell me what you need to feel better. Yeah. I mean, it, it's important again to communicate what it is I need from you so that I feel better. I feel this way. I need that from you. And when you understand my position, you can offer me the support and reassurance I need. And then I've also conveyed to you what it is I need. So it's a win-win for everybody. You know, I was thinking about another thing that has made me insecure in the past. And I remember, again, this was maybe a little earlier earlier on in our relationship, but I've always thought that you are a little oblivious (laughs) to other people's interest in you not so much men I think that all the men who have shown interest in you have always been quite forthcoming about it um but the way the mating game goes oftentimes with women and men 
I feel like you've been oblivious to women's interest in you. And I always used to wonder, like, do you really not see it? Or are you playing it off because the attention is fun? And I think, like, that's something I've brought up with you. I mean, you, you, yeah, I, I think sometimes you actually are oblivious. Yeah, I, I, I think I am. And I'm not trying to shirk responsibility <laughs> for being uh, oblivious to it. But oftentimes during the day when I'm working, I'm working. And if somebody does make a pass at me, <laughs> I may come across as being rude because I don't even recognize it. But I, I mean, yeah, I, I, I am. And I, I, yeah, anyhow, so I think that's something that might like continue to come up over the years. Uh, something happened a few years ago where one of your exes kind of came out of the woodwork after many, many, many years and reached back out to you showing interest. I think that was a bit of a wake up call to you. Yeah, it definitely was. Um, and, and obviously making sure that I offered you the reassurance so that you knew that there was nothing to be concerned about was something that, you know, I wanted to convey. And I, I think I did convey. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. No, when that thing happened, um, like it was a private message from her to you and I know you came to me with it right away and it's certainly scary, um, as anybody in a relationship to hear that someone else wants your partner. Right. Like especially someone that you did at one point have a relationship with. Uh, But I mean, that's the reality. Like you may be oblivious to women and men, but women wanting you. uh, I'm not oblivious to it. Like I know when somebody wants me. (laughs) I like it's clear when people are hitting on you. And I think as a woman, too, like we're so trained in the art of rejection and we're constantly kind of dancing, trying to keep people at arm's length, especially when you're not interested and or you're in a relationship. Not that I have to be in a relationship to be not interested. But yeah, I think that that's something that, um, you know, to to highlight my insecurities. One is that sometimes I think you've been a bit oblivious, but I think that changed after that incident with your ex kind of coming out of nowhere. For me, the big thing that's most difficult with these is being honest and being open with the person that you're with. Uh, having very difficult conversations, like when that did, when that situation arose, you know, coming to you was of paramount importance to me, but being able to come to you was difficult too, just because it was an awkward conversation where I wanted to assure you that nothing was wrong. Um, but almost, you know, reevaluated my involvement in it. Like, am I responsible how do I take ownership for, for how this situation arose so that I don't again in the future? All these women coming out of the woodwork. Yeah. Asking not, for not you really. back. No. <laughs> I don't blame them. I don't blame them. Um, and, uh, so the other piece about insecurity I wanted to talk about is just general insecurity because, you know, being secure is an individual and a shared process, I think, in the context of a relationship. So on one hand, it's my job to make sure that you feel secure with me, but you also have to work on your own self-confidence. You know, self-assurance isn't something that occurs within the vacuum of this relationship. If you're insecure outside the relationship, you're obviously going to bring that into the relationship. And so it's it's an internal process and outcome. And I think this is something you have kind of maybe, I don't know if you want to speak to that. And Brandon's on display today. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, no, I, I, I've, I don't want to say I've struggled with uh, insecurity, but in terms of confidence and self-confidence, uh, ever since I was a child, it's kind of been that way. So I've had to work on my own um, confidence over the years. It's something that I've had to be aware of and try to build up on my own. Because as you said, if I can't feel good on my own, how am I going to feel good in this relationship? And how am I going to make the person that I'm with 
feel good as well. Well, and that that's tough too, because when you're on the flip side, like when you know that your partner perhaps is lacking self-confidence, which at times in this relationship I've known, I felt that the onus was on me to make you feel good. And then I would work so, so hard to make you feel good. And inevitably I'd fail because it was really coming from within. Like it wasn't something in specific I was doing to make you insecure. And so I don't know if you can speak to like your path because I think you're a lot more confident now than I would have seen you like a decade ago, like what you've done to feel more confident. Yeah, the the way, I mean, I think I've become confident because of my successes in other areas and that is something that I've had to even disassociate with my confidence. Hmm. Being, um, you know, you know, being successful at work, be, you know, looking a certain way, um, dressing a certain way, like to me, these things help with your confidence, but I don't want to feel confident because I wear the right clothes or because I, I try to stay healthy and look good or stay, you know, or that I'm successful in work. I, I, I realized years ago, I don't want these to be the defining factors of why I feel confident. I want to feel confident because I'm a good person. I want to feel confident because I want good for other people because I, I believe in positivity and, and these are some of the factors that I've been trying to focus on to boost my own self-confidence. And you know what, over the last decade, they really have changed, but it's been a work in progress. It's having these really difficult reflection, reflect, you know, moments of reflection that require you to dig deep and they're tough. Like No one teaches you how to do that. Mm-hmm. And when you start, you don't, well, when you begin to think about them, you don't know where to start. And that in itself can be frustrating. So anyway, for me, open book, I have had to uh, learn to be confident on my own. I've had to then take it a step further because I was, I, I have been successful. I've been lucky enough to be successful at what I do and I have other things going for me, but I've had to even take away from that and say, I need to feel confident because I'm a good person. And then once I start feeling better in that realm about who I am, it, it just spills over into this relationship. Well, and, and I, you're a good partner too. Like yeah, I don't know if you derive confidence. From I take that. a lot of confidence. I mean, I definitely you you are a huge source of my confidence. I mean, you're <laughs> you're well. I mean, you are a big cheerleader for me, and I hope that I am for you too. And I think in these podcasts, I mean, right now we're talking and we're having a, a real conversation. But let's not kid ourselves. Like behind the scenes, there are arguments and of fights course, and there course. are you know moments where you're unsure of what you're doing or how you're feeling um, yeah we certainly fight we had a podcast on how we fight and I don't think we could ever do a podcast where we like resolve a fight because the truth is when I'm not good with you like in the hours or if there's a day when I don't feel good with you I don't like to put myself out to the public and I think maybe that's something people don't understand is that I am in the public eye and I'm comfortable with public speaking. I, in fact, I love it. I'm fine being on television. I'm learning how to do these podcasts. Um, I share a lot of my life on Insta stories, but there's also times where I, I really resent it, where I don't want to. And when I don't want to post, I don't post. Like That's why you'll see me disappear for a few days. And when I'm not feeling good with you, I do not want to do my work because my work is about <laughs> happy relationships. And if I'm not, if I am not feeling great with you, I don't really feel like taking care of anybody else's. That's the truth. And that's maybe one... Um, an area tr- where we could work. Well, I think it's also an area where I just have to admit that it's one potential weakness in my business. And I'm okay with that because like, I like my work. I love my work, but not the way I love you. And... Um, yeah, no, I feel the same. Yeah, like this is... You're my life. And that's that. So I think we, we should wrap up. And so I thought I'd do a 
try and summarize what we've said in terms of how to manage insecurity in your relationship, drawing from ours. And certainly we're not perfect, uh, but maybe some guidelines that you can take and adapt and discuss with your partner. So first and foremost, we admit that we're insecure to ourselves, and then we bring it to the other person uh, without accusation, with humility, ultimately, and you're very good at that. Uh, we definitely offer reassurance when our partner is not feeling secure, um, and we tell our partner, we tell each other exactly what we need. The other thing I wanted to note is, you know, I think we're aware of how our language or the way we speak about other people, especially when we're apart, could trigger the other person and we make adjustments. Like I notice that you'll sometimes throw in, I, I don't know, that you're out with a, a client and you kind of, I hear you mention, you can tell me if I'm wrong, oh, and her husband. Like, I think that we're kind of aware because we are so far apart geographically sometimes that we're just aware of one another's potential triggers. Um, I think that we also recognize that it is both an individual and shared process feeling secure. And so from an individual perspective, I can tell you that what I do is I take stock of my own value. I, I like myself and I can tell you what makes me a good partner and a good person and a person that I like, I like myself. And I think this is a really important thing because in my workshops, uh, one of my icebreakers often involves asking the participants to share in tiny little groups, threesomes, to share something that makes them a good partner. And it's often easier to say what's good about your partner than to say what's good about yourself. And this isn't a good thing. You know, if you're secure in yourself, you should be able to identify what makes you a good partner. And in fact, if you expect your partner to value you and to be able to articulate what they value in you, you really should be able to do the same for yourself. Do you not think? Yeah, I agree. Like, I noticed that when you were talking about the way you look, you cannot say you're attractive. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I... And kids, season 11. <laughs> you know what? I, I'm uncomfortable with it. Perhaps that's another podcast topic, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. No, 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 yeah. I'm, I'm, I am. I'm generally uncomfortable with it, so I Even don't though like everybody, to focus on it. Everybody tells you, oh, of course. I don't, I don't think you want to be defined by being good looking, but you are very nice to look at, and be around, and you smell good, <laughs> and um, I'm funny. Yeah, you're all right. Um, so, so that's the thing. We have to be able to say good things about ourselves in order to to take stock of our value, and then from a partner perspective, we also. I think we have to highlight one another's value. We need to tell each other what we love about one another. And this is a really important exercise. I've heard people say like, oh, I don't want to give him too many compliments. I don't want to blow up his ego. And I'm thinking, God, all I want to do is blow up your ego. Like, I want you to know how amazing you are. And I want to tell you with my words. And this is a really good exercise for you to try to just tell your partner right now, five, ten things that are amazing about them. And then finally, we didn't really talk too much about this, but I had wanted to talk about the fact that I think we bring a degree of realism into our relationship and into our version of monogamy. Um, and our version of monogamy may not be aligned with your version of monogamy or the common Western definition of monogamy. We're definitely more, you know, monogamish in that we totally admit that we're attracted to other people. And I think we're honest that, you know, sometimes like we flirt with other people, not in a way that leads somebody on or like makes somebody else feel unsafe or hurt or toyed with. But um, I think we enjoy the flirting. We joke about it together. 
I know I encourage you to really lean into attractions you feel, to fantasize about other people. And I think that this space we've created is just a lot more realistic than, oh, I love you so much that I'll never have eyes for anybody else. Because I think in creating that myth, people are bound to fail and and bound to get paranoid. Because, I mean, every partner on the planet is going to violate that unrealistic expectation. Yeah, and I just had a big milestone birthday and realized that keeping everything tight is going to be more of a... <laughs> More of a challenge over the next decade or two. Oh, I Let can't sure believe I hit I'm the gym. <laughs> married to a 65-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Brandon just turned 40. Um, and then, so if you're feeling insecure in your relationship, I guess what I want to leave you with is that you're totally normal. It happens. You want the security to outweigh the insecurity. And, um, you know, there are little things you can do, like not analyzing your partner's behavior from a self-centered perspective like don't think that everything they do is because you're not good enough um you definitely don't want to judge your partner's behavior based on an ex's behavior i think that's something another thing we could talk about at another time but you know if your ex cheated or your ex was a player it doesn't mean every other person is going to be um as brandon said we have to have uncomfortable conversations about jealousy about insecurity about potential threats And we have to be conscious of our own value, ask for reassurance. And then finally, I'll leave you with a potential exercise because I always like to give you something you can try. And I've given you a few, right? Telling your partner what you like about them and why they're great. But the other one is drawn from, from an old, from business practice. And it's the SWOT analysis. So this is the standard business tool that helps you to identify your strengths, your weaknesses, opportunities and threats in business. So S-W-O-T, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. And you use it in business when you're planning. And sometimes I actually have couples, especially my entrepreneur couples, apply this same framework to their relationship. And the outcome is really meaningful as it helps them to really acknowledge all the things they're doing well and then look for opportunities for growth and change. So I'll leave you with that. If you feel like trying that, I mean, I think it's been cool for us. We could probably do it again because it's been a really long time. Um, and it's just one model to try. But babe, anything to add? No, I think, um, you know, the, the most difficult conversations for us have been some of the most fruitful yeah, conversations. I, I mean, say that all the time, but it's so true. It, it, it's In the moment, it seems so challenging and so difficult and so uncomfortable and from those conversations have, you know, we've, we really strengthened our relationship. Yeah. And there's, there's always breakthroughs that come yeah. from, and it doesn't happen always right away. Like yeah, sometimes it takes until the next day or 2020 or <laughs> I'm looking forward to that breakthrough. All right. Thanks so much, folks. Thanks, babe. Thank you. Yeah. And thank you to desire resorts. We love you guys. We love coming down there. It's always a life changing experience for us. So check them out at desire resorts. And if you want to follow Brandon, this guy, He's at where in Toronto and is where is W-A-R-E. It's his last name. Folks, please follow along, share, subscribe. And uh, if you have any questions that you'd like answered or topics you'd like us to cover on the podcast, please holler at us. I am on all social media at Sex with Dr. Jess. Have a lovely week and I'll be back next Friday, 9 a.m. with a new episode. You're listening to the Sex with Dr. Jess podcast. Improve your sex life. Improve your life.